Word of mouth. 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 This is Word of Mouth from NHPR. I'm Virginia Prescott. More than 30,000 African elephants are poached each year, mostly in East Africa, also home to five of the world's least stable nations, according to the Fund for Peace. In an effort to understand the path illegal ivory travels, journalist Brian Christie commissioned a tusk of fake ivory that contained a GPS tracker in it. He then followed the path of the illegal ivory trade, which shockingly led to Joseph Coney, the infamous Lord's Resistance Army leader, who the State Department named a specially designated global terrorist. The path of that fake tusk became the cover story for National Geographic's September issue and a documentary called Warlords of Ivory. It is a fascinating and it's been a pretty well-covered story, but we're turning now to a man who is crucial in its making. The man who actually made the artificial tusk realistic enough to fool smugglers and players in the ivory trade. The man who created it is George Dante, founder of Wildlife Preservations and one of the world's premier taxidermists. His clients have included the American Museum of Natural History and the Bronx Zoo. And George, welcome to Word of Mouth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you are one of the best taxidermists in the world. How did you get into the field? I started doing taxidermy like most people who got into it at a very young age. Um, I started doing it when I was seven years old. I wow. was <laughs> yes, I was always interested in art and science. I had a love for the outdoors. I was always a naturalist as a little kid, would spend numerous hours just collecting insects and chasing animals and, and just absolutely in love with everything that had to do with nature. And when I found taxidermy, it just seemed like the perfect marriage of art and science to me, and it truly is. So you were the one that Brian Christie called to make this fake tusk. Tell me about that call. Brian was actually talking to me one day, and he said, have you ever made fake ivory before? And we actually have. We've had, you know, occurrences where we needed to make it for certain circumstances and nothing like this. And he didn't let on to really what was going on. He said, can you make it so it has the same sound, the same weight, uh, the same density, the same feels. And I said, well, as far as I know, that's never been done before. But uh, unfortunately, he had the right guy because I love a challenge. And it's probably against my better judgment sometimes. But I, it just intrigued me so much what he was trying to do. And he really didn't let on to what the project was. He really kept this under wraps. And even as we moved through the project, I wasn't keyed into everything that was going on. So it was really a, a very interesting project from the beginning to the end. Well, I'm guessing that any leak about his intentions might have had the whole process collapsing. Absolutely. It's an extremely sensitive project. We had to make sure any other employees in our studio knew what was happening. Everyone had to be in the strictest confidence in what was going on. And um, it was funny. We were having a conversation one day, and it really dawned on me about the magnitude of this project. When he looked at me, he said, you do realize if you screw this up, you're going to get us all killed. When did, when did you find out the truth? 
It was as we progressed into the project, not long after, little bits started coming out about what we were actually doing here. And then it really became very real on, on what we needed to accomplish. So I, I knew what he was shooting for and, and I knew what was going to happen, but I didn't know everything. All I needed to focus on really was these need to be the best pieces that we've ever done, that anyone's ever done because people's lives are actually at stake with this. Mm. How did you recreate it to make it convincing in both appearance and in weight and density and, as you said, sound? Well, it's very interesting. Unfortunately, we still cannot divulge too much of the information on how we did this. But I can say we, we worked for several months trying to come up with different resins and, uh, and materials that we can use to mold and cast and pour into different molds that we made and basically construct a tusk that was made out of uh, completely synthetic materials but had the right weight, so we added different things in it to weight it. We had to add different things in it to create the correct balance points. We needed to add fillers to the material to make sure it had the right density when you felt it. You know, ivory is such a unique material. When you feel it, it, it doesn't feel like anything else. It's, it's almost got a wood-like quality, but yet it, it's cold, so it almost feels like stone. It's, it's very, very interesting material. And we just played around for several months, different materials, filling them with different things, constructing them in different ways, different methods to try to get this as close as we possibly could. And through nothing more than research and development, trial and error, did we come up with with what we did. So how long did it take in the end? It took probably six months to come up with a suitable material and suitable process of what we were looking for. Uh, and, And then we needed to figure out how we were going to finish them and and work on installing the electronics. That was uh, several more months of work trying to figure out how are we going to install these electronics to make sure that they're protected, to make sure that they still transmit properly. That was, uh, again, something that's never been done before. So that was Uh, a, what, a GPS, a thermometer? I'm trying to remember. What What else was in there? That, you know, that is something I've been kept in the dark with as well. Um, Uh I I know the person who made everything, but I know them just as a GPS transmitter. But there is a lot more going on in there. So I was handed the electronics and, and said, this is their tolerances. This is what we need to do. These are the antennas. These are the things we need to work around and basically go from there. Well, your finished product was so convincing that Brian Christie and his crew were stopped at the Dar es Salaam airport <laughs> when they came in. And even even when they took x-rays showing that there were GPS in there and he was saying what he was doing, they still didn't believe him. <laughs> and, that, and that was a, a wonderful moment. Uh, and I'll never forget that. I, I was sitting at my desk and I received a phone call from Brian. And he said, George... He said, I'm going to pay you one of the highest compliments I possibly could. He said, you almost got me incarcerated in Africa. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm laughing about it now. He said, but I wasn't laughing about it then. It was a wonderful thing because then we knew we had succeeded. Mm. Basically, you know, these people know what they're looking at. They know what to look for. And he said they were completely stumped. 
Well, while on assignment, Christie did travel to Garamba National Park in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And there he described that there was an attitude focused on preserving the park and its elephants in order to preserve something of value. Is this an attitude that you encounter often in the world of wildlife preservation? We do. You know, I modeled my business after really caring about the environment. We want to make sure that that these animals are around for us to enjoy for many, many generations. You know, I I look at this now, and and my perspective on this is we need to do everything we can. We really need to take as much action as we absolutely need to and know the facts. There's a lot of things out there, and unfortunately today it's easy to get the wrong information. When you read about elephant poaching, you hear everything you can possibly imagine. Brian was one of the first people, I think, to really uncover the truths here about what's going on. I mean, I don't think people realize exactly what he has done. He has really become this hero for conservation because of the work that he's done with just this project alone. And I think that's the wonderful thing. So for us, I mean, I look at this and I I think about my daughter, and and I wonder if she will ever get to see an elephant someday. And, and we look at this atrocity that's happening right now, and we really have to think this might not be a possibility. Can you summarize for us, George, for those who haven't read the article and you might want to intrigue them into doing so, what did Brian Christie find? Well, Brian found out that basically the end result in this, in illegal elephant ivory, is, is mainly China. China is one of the largest consumers of illegal ivory on the planet. And there is such an insatiable appetite for ivory right now that it drove the prices up on this material to, in some cases, over $4,000 a pound. What this has done is made ivory a currency. So what you're seeing is that now... The ivory is not so much of a situation where you're getting the local poacher going in, killing an elephant, and taking a set of tusks off of it. It's now very organized. It's military. It's come to the point where military are flying over the top of these herds of animals, killing them, dropping down with a helicopter, efficiently cutting off all the ivory, flying out of there. It's now a currency for them. Basically, he finds that this ivory is going from the point of where the elephants are killed, traveling north, and basically getting in the hands of terrorists and funding terrorists. So this is a much, much bigger problem than we would have ever anticipated. Well, George, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. George Dante, he's founder of Wildlife Preservations and created the false ivory tusks used by journalist Brian Christie to track illegal ivory trading in Africa. That journey was covered in the September issue of National Geographic magazine and Warlords of Ivory. That's an episode of National Geographic's Explorer. You can find more, including a link to read his article. There's also a terrific interview from Fresh Air with Brian Christie. We'll put the link to that as well. All of that at wordofmouthradio.org.